It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Welcome into the Awesome MMA Strategy Show. As we're here to get you ready for UFC 271 goes down on Saturday night inside the Toyota Center there in Houston, Texas. We are sponsored by Prize Picks. Talk a little bit about Prize Picks later on in the show because I've already found some plays over Prize Picks. I already like that. Uh, I think uh, I got I got to get my guy Peace Take on him, but I think after the show's over, going and laying some props over there at Prize Picks. Of course, we are going to break down this entire fight card. Fifteen fights to break down, so let's not waste any time. Of course, as always, I am joined by the fighter Pete Rogers Jr. Pete, we got a, a rematch in the main event. Izzy defending the middleweight title against Robert Whitaker. Of course, they fought back in 2019 down under. Izzy won the title there. He's been on, obviously, doing what he's been doing. Robert Whitaker has been on a great role here. You know, as you look about where Robert Whitaker was at that time heading into the matchup, he talked about yesterday, said, you know, mentally, physically, I just wasn't in a good place in my life. Uh, I did find a little comedy, Pete, that he said, yeah, uh, they, they asked uh, the question from the reporters, like, well, what do you need to do different this one? He goes, I got to keep my hands up. Yeah, absolutely. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us. Um, last week's fights were great. And uh, this week we get to see if either one of these fighters are going to make adjustments in the rematch. And rematches are so intriguing because you want to see if the, the, the fighter that was victorious in the first encounter, if they can, you know, top their first performance, um, if they can put a stamp on that rivalry if the the opponent that ended up losing the fight so robert whitaker in this if he can make adjustments and come up with a better strategy to try to win rounds and bank rounds against israel adesanya and honestly i think like everybody's on to it how do you win rounds and, and try to you know take him out of his element it's incorporating takedowns i think that's going to be a lot more difficult than maybe what robert whitaker is is uh expecting coming coming around but i just think striking you know, defense wise, Robert Whitaker, he likes to keep his hands pretty low. He throws a lot of great boxing combinations and, you know, good kickboxing combinations as well, but he doesn't have the, the highest guard and the best defensive ability he relies a lot on his footwork and uh, mobility to really just evade shots. And you saw that work against him in the first encounter against Israel Adesanya. So yeah, it's saying you got to keep your hands up, but it's just kind of like in his DNA. Like, you know what I mean? He just really likes to be in that relaxed state before he starts to uh, engaging in uh, certain combinations. Potential hot take here for you, Pete. Oh, okay. Look at the price tag here on DraftKings. We do the show. FanDuel salaries are not out. 9,200 for Izzy, 7,000 for Robert Whitaker. I don't think this is a fight you have to prioritize this week. I don't disagree with you, buddy. Um, 
Wow, I'm, I, I'm surprised. I thought you might, I might get a little pushback from me because, like, the one thing is, I've listened to a lot of fighters talk about this rematch, and it seems like it's a pretty consistent. A lot of people think this thing is going 25 minutes. And, like, if you're putting Izzy in your lineups and you look at what he has done when he has had 25 minute fights, it's not going to be optimal at 9,200 based on what he's done in the past. I, I feel like if you're putting Izzy in your lineups this week, you have to be thinking about he's got. To go out there and get a stoppage. Now, look, Robert Whitaker wins at seven thousand. How's he not going to be optimal? But I'll mention this question from from uh, in the chat and Discord, where Sam says, "Can we discuss the possible path of victory for Rob? Surely he isn't grappling. Vittori landed like six takedowns and didn't get didn't win around. Rob landed four versus Gaslam with only four minutes of control time. Let me get your thought on this one, though. Yeah, I kind of feel like because obviously Izzy's got a, a massive size uh, reach advantage in this one, seven inches. I feel like if you're Rob, you got to get Izzy up against the fence and make this a dirty boxing type grappling clinch fest type fight. It's interesting. I think like the number one thing going up against Izzy is not to get just completely captivated by just, uh, you know, trying to land the perfect shot. I think a, a more volume approach against him can work in your favor where yes, he's a sniper on the outside and he picks his shots so well. Um, his volume isn't the best because he's extremely selective and his accuracy is great. But I, I think uh, for me, if I was kind of like creating a game plan for one of my guys, what I would say is, all right, we, we want to try to just out volume uh, Izzy. Uh, obviously you got to be very careful uh, at the end of your combinations and anytime you exit, but uh, just having increased volume and higher work rate sometimes is enough to impress judges in addition to incorporating some takedowns. Now against the cage, it is very difficult to take down certain fighters and especially somebody who's long. Um, so being all the way out at the end in striking distance is, is not really going to work out the best for Robert Whitaker also against the cage. Yeah, it sounds good, but uh, you know, being able to spread your legs far and using those long limbs to help you defend takedowns is also very beneficial. So um, I, I think he just has to just keep Izzy guessing even trying to to incorporate some takedowns in open mat um and not really just looking at that marvin vittori fight i think it's going to be very difficult to do so but if they think that they're just going to outstrike israel adesanya there's better ways to solidify rounds outstrike them and try to just press them against the cage so dirty boxing's huge i just do worry about that extreme muay thai skill set that israel adesanya has did you happen to see the clip from Izzy's interview with ESPN about Dan Hooker? I did. Yes, I did. You sent it to me. I absolutely love <laughs> it. And that's a, that's a great teammate, man. You, you're over there motivating each other, talking trash to each other. Uh, I, I love it. For those who did not see this clip, I'll, I'll sum it up where they're in a hard sparring session and Dan Hooker goes, Vittori's the real champ. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it, man. You got to be a savage to your partners, your, your training partners, uh, you know, respect at the end, of course, but you want to push, push each other and try to get the best out of each other. And I do think just city kickboxing in general is just such an amazing stable of fighters. Um, it's a shame for this fight, just because I feel like Robert Whitaker is like the gatekeeper for whoever wants to fight for the table, uh, the title going forward. I feel like Israel Adesanya is somewhat like a, an extremely difficult matchup for him. And like Izzy, yes, it's only one performance, but I feel like if he puts a stamp on this, it's just going to show that he kind of has Rob's number. And uh, I think Robert Whitaker beats everybody else within the division outside of Izzy.
Yeah, I mean, I think one thing is, and I mean, if you go back and look at that first fight, Rob just got, he, he used to have patience. And I think patience yeah. and being calm is going to be the key in this one. I do like Izzy to win the fight. Um, I do like Izzy to get a stoppage at some point in this fight. Um, okay. I, but at that price tag, I just don't know if he's going to be optimal when we're talking about 15 fights because, you know, look, there's there's a lot of fights in this car that you look at and say, you know, high probability of a finish in that fight. And I think the co-main event is one of those matchups between Tatu Avasa and Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis, 8,800 on DraftKings, 7,400 for Tatu Avasa. And as I thought about this fight, and look, I'm, you know, there's going to be, I've got multiple fighters this week that are under 8,000 that are going to be my underdog pool. Tatu Avasa is one of those fighters. You know, one thing you always question about Derek Lewis is how healthy is he coming into a matchup? This is a, a thought process I had with Derek Lewis for a long time. But when, and, and look, I'm going to, you know, have shares of, of Derek Lewis, obviously, a, as well. The thing is, I do wonder could leg kicks be the ultimate key to victory for Tatu Avasa? Yeah. So I really like this fight for DFS and, Heavyweight MMA in general is extremely volatile. And in a situation like this where you have two bangers going out there and they're going to throw down, I don't see how this fight uh, doesn't end up in a finish. It could be a sloppy back and forth affair where it maybe gets stretched out for 15 minutes. But I'm telling you what, they, they're both going to have to showcase incredible chins throughout it. And uh, I just don't know if that's going to happen. Derek Lewis hits extremely hard. Um, just when you start to kind of underestimate him he goes out there and he proves a lot of people wrong and, and got rid of Dawkins pretty easily uh Taitu Ibasa excellent excellent brawler uh pretty good as a technician as well I'd, I'd probably say like technically as a kickboxer he's probably technically better than Derek Lewis and the leg kicks as you mentioned I think could be a huge factor in this fight uh Derek Lewis doesn't do the best at defending leg kicks, checking leg kicks. But what he does is he answers sometimes with some massive shots down the middle, good uppercuts, good straights. Um, Taito Ivasa needs to make sure that if he is going to implement a ton of leg kicks, he needs to get that head off the center line. I understand the intriguing 7,400 around Taito Ivasa if he goes out there and implements the correct game plan. Um, but I'll tell you what, man. He's got that dog in him, and they both do. Where they get hit, and they wanna they they wanna one up their opponent immediately. And I think uh, getting a little reckless against a guy in Derek Lewis who hits so hard could end up being the difference maker here. So I'm favoring Derek Lewis at 8,800. I think that he could end up knocking out Tai Tuivasa. But all in all, it's a it's a fight where on Fantasy Cruncher I, I would definitely be creating a group saying that for most of my lineups I want to get to one of these guys because Tai Tuivasa could easily knock out Derek Lewis from fight to fight who has shown that sometimes depending on his health or depending on the damage that he takes, he can sometimes be one foot in one foot out. So I'm favoring 8,800 Derek Lewis. I like the fight in general though. It's one of those things that you do wonder kind of how tentative could we see this matchup at the start? Um, you know, I think the one thing that I do think of, and I think why, you know, you want to potentially favor Derek Lewis here is, you know, you look at that Greg Hardy fight that Tatu Vasa had. I mean, mm -hmm. he he got rocked in that one. So we'll see what happens there. Of course, this is also an MMA strategy show as we're getting ready for UFC 271, which goes down on Saturday. And of course, uh, be sure to like us right here on YouTube. Subscribe to Osmo. It's got a ton of great shows for you each and every day. Of course, coming up after us will be the NHL strategy show. And if you're not also a plus member, when you get a peek what's behind the paywall, today's free premium day. Data and tools, NBA player projections, which, well, 
You're really going to need those projections today with all the trades that are going on over the last 48 hours. Also, NHL ownership projections are free. And also, we got our Super Bowl giveaway, which is pinned over on our Twitter handle, which is at Osmo underscore com. Just reply whether you think Joe Burrow or Matthew Saffer will have more passing yards on Sunday and follow the instructions on the graphic to be entered for a chance to win a free year of also plus platinum. That's a $1,000 value. And this is our biggest giveaway that we do all year round. Uh, I have a general thought of who I think is going to have more passing yards in that game. But uh, do you think you know who my pick is? Of course, Burrow. Yeah, I think they're going to be down. And I think yeah, they're going agreed. to pass a lot. Agreed. Uh, but uh, yeah, be uh, I'll be, uh, you know, a little different big game experience for me this year. Uh, watch it from from the house. I think uh, going to put some stakes on the grill and uh, nice. you know, you know have, have some good stakes there. But uh, let's move on to the next matchup, a key matchup at the middleweight division. You imagine it's a number one contenders matchup between Jared Cannonier and Derek Brunson. Eighty six hundred for Jared Cannonier, seventy six hundred for Derek Blonde Brunson. Blonde hair Brunson is in full effect. Uh, he did say yesterday only two more fights left in his career, so that one kind of makes things a little interesting in terms of his thoughts in terms of that one. But, I mean, look, Pete, this is very easy for me to break down. I think it's just a matter of if you believe Derek Brunson is going to be able to take down Jared Canier, you, you love Derek Brunson in a spot, but the one thing you always get concerned with Derek Brunson is if you know, it gets a little wild, gets a little reckless, and uh, Jared Canier is able to find that chin. Yeah, so I'll tell you what, that – uh Derek Brunson was one of the most like vulnerable fighters out there for a while about getting hit with shots and getting knocked out. Um, very chinny, uh, reckless at times. And then going to Sanford MMA started to really refine his strategy and even his technique and relying a little bit more on his wrestling is something that I think has, you know, paid dividends for his career. It's really worked out a lot for him. Um, you know, he's on a hell of a run right here. And uh, you talk about his final final three fights, Darren Till, Kevin Holland, Emin Shabazian. Um, even prior to that, Ian Heinish and Elias Theodoro. Like, he's on a great stretch within his career right now. And uh, I'm, I'm a little co- uh, confused as to whether, like, his chin is still bad or if he was somewhat unlucky at times. But, I mean, he has taken a ton of damage throughout his career. And I think the difference maker is obviously relying on that wrestling. I think it's going to be difficult in the matchup like this against Cannoneer, who has pretty solid takedown defense. Um, but in general, just the activity of Brunson and just the what could have the possibility and the, what could happen if he does take him to the mat with good jiu-jitsu, good ground and pound. And he's got good power as well. Uh, I'm actually going to take a shot on, on Derek Brunson, obviously. And uh, at 7,600, he has some tremendous takedown upside, even though it's against a difficult matchup. So I, I think the takedowns are somewhat capped, but I do like him on a card where, you know, some of the underdogs are pretty ugly. I have no issues getting to Derek Brunson, who in his previous three fights, 110 against Shabazi and 144 against Holland, 102 against Darren Till. Like, Jared Cannonier hits really hard. Um, the leg kicks are great, but in addition to the leg kicks, I, I think that he's just physically imposing for most people within the division. So I'm interested to see how this fight goes. But I'll take a shot on Derek Brunson, even though Cannoneer is one of the most powerful punchers in the division. I'm just going to ride with the momentum of Brunson, man. I really am 7,600. This is a sneaky fight to target. 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of those things, uh, you know, obviously potential with, you know, the takedowns, control time for Derek Brunson. But I think this is one of those fights that really over the next, you know, two days, can we look at those ownership projections, kind of figure out exactly where I do want to go. I do want to get to both sides this one, but I would, uh, yeah, I think I will have more shares of Derek Brunson just because of the takedown abilities in that one. Next up, we got Kyle Phillips taking on Marcelo Rojo, 9,400 for Kyler Phillips, 6,800 for Rojo. Uh, you know, like when I look at Phillips, he, here's the concern I have. What if he can't get the stoppage in the first 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, I tell you what, I think the skill set is there for Kyler Phillips. Um, even in a loss against Holly and Pivey, he scored 74 points. His striking's excellent. His jujitsu's pretty solid, pretty good. And his creativity is is up there with some of the best strikers and just fighters within the UFC. It's his cardio. He has, He's a liability in regards to his cardio. And uh, I think that could definitely hurt him going forward. But obviously, fighters want to make adjustments from camp to camp uh, until it happens multiple times. I don't want to say that he is uh, just a round one, round two type of guy. He has plenty of potential and great coaches around him to help him getting better shape and not not only that, it's just about pacing yourself in certain moments and knowing when to take your foot, you know, put your foot on the gas pedal and take it off. And uh, I think a guy in Kyler Phillips who is still relatively young, uh, he, he's going to treat this pre- uh, previous loss against Hallie and Piba as a learning experience. I mean, he was extremely dominant early on. And then as the fight went on, you saw Holly and Piva demonstrate excellent heart and a great will to win. I, I don't think that Marcelo Rojo is terrible by any means. Uh, the price at 6,800, I think that he's game. And even in his fight against Charles Jourdain showcased some, you know, solid skills. He hits hard. Um, he's okay on the mat. I think that Kyler Phillips will have the edge there and the creativity will, will give Kyler Phillips the edge in every department. It's just that Rojo's a dog and, and Rojo, unless you put him out or you really hurt him badly, I think that he's alive to come back and, and, and try to win a fight. So I am still massively favoring Kyler Phillips here. I think this is a get right fight. 9,400. I like the price tag, but it comes with, uh, it, it comes with a little caution. You got to be a little careful just because of what happened in this previous fight, but he should go out here and uh, get back in the win column and have an excellent performance. I think one of the hardest parts about this slate is all these 9,000 options yeah. that we do have of, you know, who are you going to pay up for? And obviously we got to be searching for someone that's going to get the finish there. Let's move on to the next match. We got Bobby green taking on Nasrock Hopperas, Bobby green, 8,400 Hopperas is at 70. 800, of course, uh, Bobby Green, you know, finally getting that stoppage victory that he'd been seeking for against Ally Quinta. But, you know, one of the things I have noticed, it does seem like from the betting side, more and more money is coming on the Hawkbrass side. You know, look, I'm never a huge guy in taking Bobby Green in GPPs just because of, you know, just from a fancy aspect of, you know, for him to get us 100 plus points. Because, you know, let's be honest about DraftKings, you know, we're targeting 650, 700 points to, to be, to, be in consideration to, to potentially take down these, these GPPs on Saturday. I just don't know if Bobby green gets there, but I do like him in the matchup. Yeah. So, I mean, Bobby green going out there and putting away my buddy ally Quinta, that was tough to see, but man, what a performance and uh, Bobby green, whenever he's the favorite and he's so notorious for being in close fights, you got to be a little careful with your money. So um, I think this is more of a live betting type of fight for me, rather than putting tons of money on a fighter that, um, will allow his opponents to compete and allow the fight to be very close. And 
somewhat make some IQ mistakes in regards to the judge's eyes. And, uh, you know, a lot of times the judges won't favor his style, which results in some close losses that arguably were wins. I'll tell you what, though, anytime Bobby Green goes the distance with Rafael Fazeev and out volumes, Rafael Fazeev took some of his best shots, got fight of the night. Like that fight was incredible. I just like him against anybody really going forward. I don't think that he's a liability to get knocked out. Um, I think that he has sneaky, sneaky takedown upside in a matchup like this where uh, Nasrat Hakparas got out wrestled against uh, Dan Hooker and uh, people sleep on Bobby Green's ground skills. Like his, his wrestling's really, really good. And uh, I actually do like him in the matchup. It's just the, the favorite title next to Bobby Green. Being a favorite in a fight is my only cause for concern, but 8,400, I think that we could see like a career resurgence for, for Bobby Green and always been a staple within the division. Yes, it might go the distance, but he's not incapable of scoring high. Like he can get, he got 112 against Iaquinta, first finish in a very long time, uh, 98 against Alain Patrick, four takedowns. Um, Lando Venata scored 111, scored three takedowns. I think a, a score like that, is definitely possible in a situation like here. So uh, I'm favoring Bobby Green. I like that mid price there. And uh, just to kind of circle back just qu uh, quickly about the 9,000 options, I think that's why maybe the main event won't be a part of, of some of your lineups or a part of the optimal lineup because 9,000 options are stacked this week, Jason. I would tell you a juicy prop out there. Bobby Green wins by split or majority decision <laughs> plus 700. Pete, by the way, I know you're a big Brooklyn Nets guy. What happened? Woj bomb just came down. Harden the to Brooklyn Philly. Nets have sent Harden to Philly for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first round picks. And bye. Cool. I'm fine with it. Let's let's get Simmons <laughs> back out there. And uh, dude, I like that. We got Curry. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's Harden. Um, so obviously, well, it gives you it gives you a shooter when with yeah. uh, the issues with Joe Harris right now. Yeah, it's, you know, give and take right there. You're giving up one of the best players in the game. But I, I think the the possibility of Ben Simmons kind of coming back, that, I, I like it, actually. I really do. I'm okay with it, man. Uh, it's just tough when you have too many selfish players on the same team, and uh, we'll have to see going forward. But, yeah, okay. I like it. I'm not I'm not I, mad about it. I know I know you're a Nets guy, so just yeah. thought I'd throw that Bob in there for you. Of course, uh, you know, NASCAR season is here. We had the, the race last week there at the L.A. Coliseum, and we've got a great promo going on right now for a year's Osmo Plus NASCAR package for less than $2 per race. That's $70 for a full year of Osmo Plus NASCAR. Gives you access to the top driver tool, owner, owner projection, driver projections, and so much more. Be sure to use that promo code GREENFLAG at checkout. This offer is valid through February 20th, so be sure to take advantage of that. Of course, next Sunday, myself and Chris will be live here to get you ready for the Daytona 500, so be sure to take advantage of that promo. I already see Pete Yeah, I got something to say about NASCAR already, all right? First race of the season, I got a guy that blows his motor like on lap five. What the hell is going on with me? I cannot catch a break with the NASCAR, but man. Yeah, that, uh, that, that, trust me, it happened in my lineups, and then it happened in NBA the other night. Gordon Hayward gets injured like three minutes into the game, <laughs> and uh, I miss out on cashing because of yeah that. Oh god, woke up. I, yeah, I, I went to bed. I was like, oh, I'm not gonna cash that lineup. I wake up and realize, oh man, I had every other piece of that lineup pegged. Mm. 
Disappointing. We've all been, we, we have all been through that in every yes, DFS sport there is out there, but be sure to take advantage of the NASCAR promo that we do got going on there. Let's move on. Next up. We got a heavyweight matchup. Andre Arlovsky taking on Jared Vandera, uh, Arlovsky, 8,300 Vandera, 7,900. Uh, you know, the, the big takeaway, I, I was listening to Vandera's media scrum yesterday and you know, he kind of made, he's like, Hey, you know, you know, I fangirled out a little bit on, on this matchup when Andre Arlovsky made his pro debut, Pete. Jared Vandera was six years old. It's crazy. It's crazy. When you start bringing up stats like this, man, it's really cool because you're starting to see the next generation. Um, I don't think that Jared Vandera is really like the next generation, but it's like, you know, you got the old dogs kind of go, going out of the sport and you have the the newcomers coming in and, you know, it's father time is undefeated. And eventually we're going to have to see when Andre Arlovsky really meets father time because we thought he met him and uh, past two fights, he's actually pulled off some close victories over Chase Sherman and Carlos Felipe. So I'm interested to see what you think about this fight. I think Arlovsky going the takedown route is the the key to victory. I mean, look, Jerry Vandera wants to stay on the feet. Mm. He does not want to get put on his back. Now, can Arlovsky get him there? You know, look, Arlovsky just, you know, he's for me, for what he is, he's a cash play. He's not someone that I ever really targeted in GPP just based on, look, you know, he's not been a finisher. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's fair, man. I, I think, like, Arlovsky getting stretched out for 15 minutes is absolutely fine. Uh, I don't hate taking a shot on the underdog, Jared Vandera, but my only thing with that is I don't think he stops Andre Arlovsky. So will a high-volume striking affair, because Vandera is going to need to have more volume than Andre Orlovsky in order to be successful, does that really pay out? 7,900, it could, and he hits hard. He, everybody within that division hits hard. That could end up, you know, finding that that button on the chin and, and putting Orlovsky away. But for the most part, I think the experience is going to, you know, work out in Orlovsky's favor here, 8,300. Um, he's been in fights in the past where he's been slightly out-volumed, and still won decisions, whether they were questionable decisions or not. I think that Arlovsky just, when he goes and he he puts combinations together, he looks good, and uh, he's definitely the more technical of the two. So I'm still going to say that Arlovsky at his age is going to end up winning this via decision. As, you know, We'll have to see how the fight goes. But if Jared Vandera like, would want to try to go out there and minimize damage, it would be make this into an ugly clinching type of fight where you're going to weigh on Arlovsky, possibly hurt him inside the clinch and maybe even look to take him down because Jared Mandera, he has some takedowns in his back pocket um, and his ground and pound is really good. His takedown defense is horrible. So that's like the blueprint where Arlovsky could expose it. I just don't see Arlovsky shooting takedowns. So Give me Arlovsky, 8,300, but in general, not really the fight I want to prioritize. Yeah, plus 130, Arlovsky to win by a decision. So I think if you want to – you think you like Andre Arlovsky on a spot, but yeah, in yeah. terms of GPPs, I'd I really – you know, I, would, I wouldn't mind getting to a Vandera in GPPs, uh, but Arlovsky is a guy that I do not want to get into. Uh, next up, we got a female matchup. It is a retirement matchup for Roxanne Modafari, as she is calling it a career. After Saturday night, she is going to be taking on Casey O'Neill. Casey O'Neill, one of those high-priced 9,000 options, 9,500, 700 for Roxanne Modafari. Uh, you know, Roxanne yesterday basically, uh, you know, you, you, 
the, the wear and tear of the sport definitely has kind of gotten to her ready to kind of move on to the, to the next stage in her life. Um, you know, I mean, look, she's constantly the, the underdog in this one. I do like Casey O'Neill in this spot. Um, you know, just cause I mean, look, you know, I, I just, I think Casey's going to be able to put Roxanne on her back and I think she's going to get a stoppage at some point. Yeah. So I really like Casey O'Neill. Um, I, I think this girl will be fighting for the title, uh, within the next couple of years. I really do. I just think when somebody's so skilled in one facet of the game and they're just kind of running through people, you have to pay attention. So, uh, Casey O'Neill, the price tag is definitely fitting, uh, Roxanne Motiferi, extremely tough, extremely difficult to get out of there. So uh, she's always scrambling. She's always trying to fight for an underhook. She's always trying to, you know, you know, get back, you know, retain her guard. Uh, she's going to need to really work hard in this matchup because I think the pace, the pressure, the aggressiveness of Casey O'Neill is going to be so much. Now, uh, on the feet, Casey O'Neill should have the edge. And in the wrestling department, she will have the edge. In regards to jiu-jitsu, that's where Motiferi could pull off like a tremendous upset and catch – Anybody with an arm bar off of her back or she has pretty decent sweeps as well. So maybe Casey O'Neill just completely goes out there and exhausts herself and uh, then Motiferi can capitalize late. But let me tell you, I think uh, Casey O'Neill goes out there and puts a stamp on this. And I think she's going to probably be a part of the optimal. Yes, it's a 9,500 price tag, but she has some of the, the, the highest ceiling on the entire slate. And with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Even if she doesn't get a finish, I think that she's going to crush value and uh, I, I want everything. And maybe even just having Motiferi's toughness could add DFS points for us, like Motiferi working back to her feet, or it could just lead to more scores, you know, more, more points for us in Casey O'Neill's direction. So uh, Casey O'Neill, big time, 9,500 lover on the slate. It's a shame that Motiferi has to fight somebody of this caliber as her retirement fight. Yeah, the one the one thing that really sticks out to you about Roxanne's last four fights is how many times that she has been taken down in those four fights. Lauren Murphy took her down two times. Andrea Lee, who we know is not a wrestler, took her down three times. Uh, Vivian Arujo took her down four times. Thalia Santos took her down five times. That's why I really do like that potential of Casey O'Neill getting this matchup to the ground. Yeah, I hate this fight for Motiferi. Honestly, I really do. I know that she's... Uh, She's, I would say, decently well-rounded, but I just think that this is going to be too much for her to handle. She's always live to, to come back and be competitive, but, man, I, I just think that there were better fights for her to kind of ride out into the sunset for. I would much rather get to a 9,500 Casey O'Neill than a 9,400 Kyle Phillips. That makes sense. I think the score potential is, is a little bit more in Casey O'Neill's favor. Sam, I appreciate your super chat. Of course, we'll get to those your questions there at the end of the show. But of course, this is the also MMA Strategy Show. We are sponsored by Prize Picks. Of course, you got to check out Prize Picks, and of course, you get one free month of also Plus Platinum when you sign up, deposit, and play over at Prize Picks. You'll receive an email within twenty four to forty eight hours to redeem your free month 
of Osmo Plus Platinum. Of course, when you sign up over there, be sure to use that promo code Osmo as they have a first match deposit of up to $100. And Pete, uh, there are some prize picks played that really stuck out to me here today. Uh, two over in fight time. One is the 24.75. I like the under in that one. I think that one's juice a little too high. Yeah. Um, I, I think if that number was maybe 20, it'd be a little more concerning for me. But to me, at 24 and three quarters, give me the under there on Izzy on fight time. Yeah, you might as well, right? I mean, like, I just think that's a lot of time for something to go wrong. And I, and I would agree with you. Take the under. The interesting one to me is Derek Lewis at five minutes. Ah, uh, man. I think these guys get each other out in round one. So I'm going to say less on that as well. I'm tempted to say over that they might have a little bit of a staring contest for about three minutes. They could, they could, we have seen that. It all depends on the respect level. And I'll tell you what, like, uh, I feel like Tai Tuivasa might have a little bit more courage and, and try to push the pace. Whereas Derek Lewis might be, you know, just waiting for that perfect shot. Now over on the takedown side of the equation, this one, Derek Brunson, 3.0. I kind of go under. Take down the fence, man. I'm thinking Here's, under. Yeah, I think so. I, I like Brunson in the matchup just because he, he can mix it up so well. But Cannoneer's got pretty solid take to take down the fence. I say I say less. Kyler Phillips, one and a half. I say more. That's what I'm thinking too. Uh, yeah. Of course, be sure to play over there at Prize Picks. Of course, uh, as these props change throughout the week, I'm sure we'll have some more thoughts on Saturday. But of course, be sure to check out Prize Picks, the sponsor of the Osmo MMA Strategy Show. And of course, be sure to use that promo code Osmo when you sign up for an instant first match deposit of up to $100. And of course, get one free month of Osmo Plus Platinum when you sign up. Deposit and play over there at Prize Picks. Let's move on to the next matchup. It's a flyweight match. I was supposed to take place a little while ago. Alex Perez match now was canceled on fight day. You know, from the commission side of it, Alex Perez 9600 and Schnell 6600. These are the type of fights, Pete, that typically Alex Perez goes out there and has a tremendous performance. He just has not been able to take that leap into this elite division. But when he fights someone underneath him, this is when he does style. Yeah, I would agree, and um, I think that Alex Perez, skill set-wise, talent-wise, I think he's a better fighter than Matt Schnell. I think Matt Schnell has, like, really good submission skills, but um, in just in general, he's a liability getting hit with a big shot, and I do worry about him against a very, very hard puncher in uh, Alex Perez. Now, let's also not forget that Alex Perez hasn't been in the cage since his loss to Davison Figueredo, which was back in November of 2020. So, you know, that's a little bit of time off and uh, you, you want to always see how somebody rebounds, uh, you know, from, from a defeat. And I know it seems, seems a little cliche, but sometimes a defeat in, in somebody's, you know, career can be extremely detrimental and it could lead to lack of confidence. It could lead to shuffling coaches around or training partners. Um, I think that he has a good stable around him. It just comes down to mentally, like, you know, if, if you can understand that this sport is extremely difficult and you take your losses like a man and you keep moving on and you try to make adjustments, I'm okay with it. It's just a very long time to be absent from the cage. And if you want to give something, you know, give credit to Matt Schnell, in addition to his uh, submission arsenal, 
It's just that he's been in the cage a little bit more than Alex Perez. Granted, the strength of schedule is not on the same level, like fighting Davis and Figueredo for Alex Perez. Huge moment. Um, whereas Matt Chanel just coming off of back-to-back fights uh, against Tyson Am, where he, he got a split decision. And then against Rogerio Bontarine, both in 2021. So he's a little bit more acclimated in the cage. So possibly that could work in his favor, favor here if Alex Perez is a little rusty, so to speak. I'll get to a little bit of Matt Chanel just because of the the upside in case that he pulls off a submission here. Um, but I tell you what, if this was if Alex Perez had like one fight after that Davison Figueredo fight, I don't see how he loses this fight, to be honest. I think that he's just better at Matt Chanel in every single department, hits hard, and I think he can knock Matt Chanel out. Yeah, I do like Alex Perez uh, in this matchup. Next up, we got a matchup uh, William Knight and Maxim Grisham. Grisham, 8700, William Knight, 7500. Pete, I kind of feel like there's going to be some people targeting William Knight in this spot. I don't hate it, man, but I don't know if I really like the fight for William Knight, right? Like, this is a guy who's from my area, and um, I have a very difficult time picking him correctly, uh, truthfully. Um, I think that. The last fight was a weird one. And, um, you know, I think that a guy in Maxim Gershon could go out there and impose a correct game plan, use his length. And I think it could work against William Knight extremely. I mean, he's six foot three frame against William Knight, who's 5'10, five inch reach advantage for Maxim Gershon. Uh, I think Gershon hasn't really showcased his best skill set within the UFC. And obviously he's aging, but I don't consider William Knight to be a reach. I think that he's an adequate underdog to target. There are plenty of underdogs I have literally no interest in. And I can see where William Knight, his physicality, his power in his hands, and his wrestling, like he's a he's a pretty accomplished wrestler. And I think if he can chain takedowns together, he could win this fight. But I'll tell you what, man, I just think that Maxim Grisham could could just kind of tool him on the feet on the outside, incorporate some some leg kicks and uh possibly was be a sneaky fighter here at 8,700. So I'm picking Maxim Grishin here, but you know, you could do worse than William Knight at 7,500. I don't hate it. Yeah. I think when you talk about those pump plays under, you know, 7,500 below yeah. William Knight's gotta be one of those guys that you are considering. Now, one of the terms we love to throw on this show is takedown city. And, you know, we talked about Derek Brunson, potentially trying to take Jared Cannonier to take down City. Well, look, the next one, next matchup, Ronnie Lawrence is going to try to take Mono Martinez to take down City. I talked to Mono Martinez last week. He understands. He knows what is coming. Uh, interesting uh, note about Mono Martinez. He did spend the first half of his camp at Glory MMA and Fitness. Of course, he trains there at Metro Fight Club in Houston. That was the gym that was operated and owned by Saul Salis. Saul Salis passing away last year. A couple of the fighters uh, from that gym have gone to glory. Uh, Michael Aswell, who's on my podcast yesterday, an up-and-coming fighter, he's one of those fighters that has gone there. I would expect you probably potentially see Adrian Yanez go to glory at some time as well. But, I mean, look, this this matchup is very simple for me, Pete. It's just it's a matter of do you think Ryan Lawrence is, you know, is he going to chain wrestle? Um, but, I mean, look, and, and I could very well see it in equation where Ronnie Lawrence is optimal on Saturday just because he's lined six, seven takedowns. Yeah. So Ronnie Lawrence represents one of the best takedown upsides on the entire slate. And we always want to target these guys for DraftKings. And, you know, he scored 12 takedowns in his Dana White contender series debut. Uh, he went 12 of 17 
in his uh, victory over Vince Cachero. He landed eight takedowns. He went eight of nine. So it's just a ridiculous work rate, ridiculous pressure, great chain wrestling, good skills. It's not like he's reckless and he's just going out there and, and, and wrestling. He is just a very, very talented wrestler and grappler. So I just love to get to him, him here. Um, I think that at 9,300, he has, you know, equal upside um, and possibly even a little bit more than some of these other 9,000 options. Uh, like Israel Adesanya, I think he has more upside um, than, you know, I think Ronnie Lawrence has more upside than him. He's a solid striker. He's not bad on the feet. That's where Mana Martinez is going to look to capitalize, uh, try to land something big um, when Ronnie Lawrence is either exhausting himself on some takedowns or getting a little too relaxed on the feet. But everything I've seen from Ronnie Lawrence, and it's two fights, limited sample size, but in both of them, it's just tenacious, you know, just from, from the get-go. He just does not stop with the pressure. And I think that pressure breaks a lot of people. So 9,300, I love getting to Ronnie Lawrence here. Uh, Mana Martinez outside of landing a big shot. Not really a guy I want to get to, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just going to come down whether if he can keep, if Mana can keep the fight on the feet, I, I think he's a, a pump play I, that I'll consider, but, uh, but we, we know Ronnie Lawrence is going to be going for takedowns. Next up, we got a match between Alex Hernandez and Anato Mancano, Alex Hernandez, 7,700, Anato Mancano, 8,500, uh, Alex Hernandez making news over the last, uh, 24 hours or so of, uh, not happy with his card placement, which I'm kind of like, you're probably worried about the wrong things. You probably should be worried about this guy that's going to stand across to you because uh, Hinato Mikano does look like a different dude. Now he's not cutting all that weight down to get to 45. Yeah, man, I like Hinato Mikano here. Um, it's an interesting matchup because you have Alex Hernandez, who is a very unlikable character within the UFC, um, has good striking ability good jujitsu, good takedowns. It's just inconsistency is surrounding him at all times. I think there is plenty of upside, but I, I do worry about him in a matchup against the guy in Hanato Moikano who put, puts everything together so well. Um, I consider Alex Hernandez to be, you know, a solid underdog to get to as well. But I'll tell you that Hanato Moikano for me is the guy that I'll be siding in this fight. I, I think the takedowns, I think, the, the leg kicks, if he starts to incorporate them again, just the jujitsu. I know that Hernandez is pretty solid, but uh, I think Moicano is just on a different level in regards to that. So I'm, I'm going to back the guy who's looked excellent at this weight class. And, uh, you know, I, I just like him here. So I'm back in Hanato Moicano, 8,500. Next up uh, features one of uh, team team city kickboxing team uh, Izzy Adesanya as Car Carlos Olberg taking on Fabio Charant. Uh, Pete, I'm just gonna say this: I think this is a showcase fight for Carlos Olberg. Mm -hmm. I, I this is one of the situations I kind of feel like uh, this is UFC. We're trying to get this guy a win, and they probably gave him like five opponents, and this is who he picked. Yeah. Oh, it's tough for me to say because I'm cool with Fabio and I would love nothing more than for him to pull off the victory. And he has some five round experience to work with. He has some good hands, but more so than any of that, it's his underrated grappling that he just does not use. If he would go out there and incorporate his grappling and his wrestling, I think that he could really be a sneaky fighter on this card. And in a lot of his previous matchups where it's like, dude, use your other skills. Like, I understand you want to you know, stand and bang to a point, but 
At 7,300, he wouldn't really have to do much in order to pull off the victory here. And Carlos Olberg's an extremely talented kickboxer who I think is extremely marketable, obviously friendly with Israel Adesanya, teammates. And, and I, I would agree with you, like the UFC wants him to win. They want him to go out there and put together an excellent performance. And, you know, let's call it how it is. That fight against uh, Kennedy and Jekwu, it, it does seem to like Kennedy's not a bad fighter. He's really long. He's really tricky and he's massive for the, for the weight class. And Olberg looked great early. And I think, you know, him learning just how to pace himself in, in, in fights going forward is going to be extremely important. Um, I would agree that he should end up walking away with the victory here at 8,900, just because I think that he's on a different level in regards to striking. Fabio's not bad striking at all, but you have to really just call it how it is. He hasn't really looked the best in the UFC and he's been finished in both of his UFC fights. First round submission loss to Alonzo Menafield. first round uh, knockout loss to William Knight. So uh, I would agree with you. And I, I think everybody in the UFC wants Carlos Olberg to win. So 8,900, pretty solid play, to be honest. And the other loss on, on Fabio Chiron's career came on the contender series, mm -hmm. also finished in that matchup. So yeah. uh, if you're kind of looking for that narrative of, you know, he has three losses, all of them by stoppage, definitely a fight I think you want to look at. Next up, we got A.J. Dobson taking on Jacob Malkoon. 8,200 for A.J. Dobson, 8,000 for Jacob Malkoon. I was actually kind of surprised with the salary on this one. Same. I, th I thought Dobson would be much higher than 8,200. Oh, you mean it like that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I get it. He looked great on the uh, on the contender series, but he hits really hard. He knocks a lot of people out. Uh, I think that he's really reckless. Uh, if you want to really throw shade yep. towards Jacob Malkoon, it's just like how he got starch uh, so quickly against uh, Phil Hawes. And any, anytime you're going up against a fast starter, and A.J. Dobson definitely fits that criteria. You have to be careful. So for me, I view this fight as a, as an optimal fight, to be honest, the price range is always going to make this fight. You know, they don't have to do as much at their salary to, to make it into the optimal because, you know, depending on how the rest of the fights go, uh, it just allows a lot of lineup flexibility at 8,208,000. So I'm going to be getting to a ton of this. Uh, I can see this going one of two ways. Uh, AJ Dobson, either going to go out there and knock out Jacob Malkoon in vicious, vicious fashion, or Jacob Malkoon's wrestling and grappling is just going to be too much to deal with. And, you know, Jacob Malkoon landed eight takedowns against uh, uh, Al Hassan. And I got to tell you that uh, Abdul Razak Al Hassan hits equally, if not harder, than AJ Dobson. And uh, Malkoon shot 24 takedown attempts in that mm -hmm. fight. He went eight of 24. So that's a tremendous work rate and will zap the energy out of anybody. And I will favor Jacob Malkoon in this matchup just because of the limited UFC experience in that grappling difference maker. So I'm going to smash this creative group over at awesome.com using the fantasy cruncher tool. But I'll tell you what, man, I, I like Malkoon at 8,000 flat. I think there's some takedown upside. One of the things when you talk about the takedown aspect, uh, the coaches for AJ Dobson. One of them is Mark Coleman. Yeah, I I know. I agree. I just think like his recklessness. Uh, oh yeah, totally. It seems green. So like, I, I feel like he has the skills. It's just like, he hasn't had to really like 
change or modify some things because he hasn't lost, you know, too off. You know what I mean? Like I, I want to see him adjust to making these reckless mistakes. And I just think a guy in Malcoon, if you land 24 against uh, Al-Hassan, I mean, you attempt 24 against Al-Hassan, I'm pretty sure you're going to attempt the same amount against A.J. Dobson. And I think that Malcoon could end up being a part of the optimal. But this fight is sneaky. Of course, just like Pete, I'll be over there at Osmo.com using all the great premium tools and data that we have over there. And if you're not an Osmo Plus member, you can sign up right now for Osmo Weekly Pass for $29.95. Gives you access to everything we have over there at Osmo.com when it comes to player projections, the ownership projections, which is a key component. And in terms of MMA, a key component I look at is that top fire tool. And of course, if you just want an MMA uh, also, a plus MMA packages start as low as two ninety five, and uh, do note that Fancy Cruncher is an add on. So, uh, highly recommend adding on Fancy Cruncher to your account. Stop guessing, start winning. Join Awesome Plus today. Two more matchups we got here. We got Silva de Andrade taking on Sergey. Sergey nine thousand. Are one of those nine thousand options? Uh, Andrade seventy two hundred. How you see this one, Pete? Yeah. So I think a lot of people really like uh, Sergey Morozov here, and. Uh, I was really interested to see how the the salaries were going to play out, and to be honest, I'm surprised. Like, uh, I think that Morozov represents good takedown upside against anybody he's fighting. Uh, but Khalid Taha is a strong guy for the division, who's always had a you know questionable cardio. So I don't I don't want to put so much stock into that because Khalid Taha was also taken down six times against Nad Naramani, and uh, Nad had a pretty inconsistent UFC career. Um, I think that there's going to be takedowns for Morozov, 100%. I don't think that Douglas Silva de Andrade has the worst takedown defense. It's it's okay, 66%. That sounds like it's really, really good. It's just a lot of fighters don't get the opportunity to, or they're a little hesitant because, you know, he's dangerous everywhere, but he's more of a knockout threat than anything. So uh, I just really like the fact that he's 27-4 and four overall. So you're talking about a 30-fight veteran, um, price at 7200 and Morozov's very, very talented, but I would still label him as a newcomer for the UFC. And I think that, you know, being a newcomer, losing your de- debut against uh, Nurmagomedov, that's going to happen. Uh, rebounding, getting six takedowns against Khalid Taha, scoring 105 points, that's that's good. That's that's really solid. It's just I don't think that he represents the same type of ceiling that some of these other 9,000 options do. Because I don't think that Douglas Silva de Andrade, outside of being just an older, an older weathered fighter, I don't really see how there's so much upside. And I think that Douglas Silva de Andrade can easily knock him out and be one of these guys that makes it into the optimal. So I'm going to side with uh, Silva de Andrade at 7,200. I think the UFC experience is going to shine through here. And uh, he's got to keep it on the feet. But I think that Silva de Andrade is going to do it and pull it off. And then our opening matchup of the night that absolutely wrecked my lineups last week. Oh, uh, man, this time we, we got Jeremiah Wells taking on Blood Diamond. Of course, uh, kickboxer, part of that that Izzy crew here. Um, I mean, look, it's obviously the better uh, mixed martial artist, no doubt, it is Jeremiah Wells in this yeah. one, 9,100. Uh, if, if Blood Diamond is going to go out there and get the win, it's going to be by knockout. Uh, he was actually initially supposed to take on Orion Koski. In this spot, um, you know, look, it's he obviously if he can keep this fight, he's got a chance. But uh, I do like Jeremiah Wells, even though the first fight of the night last week uh, did screw me. Oh, it screwed all of us, buddy. Um, and like, 
you know, Malcolm Gordon last week, like he came out aggressive. Okay. And then he started to win some grappling exchanges, threatened with an arm bar. And then in the wizard position, just started to, to really just, you know, be physically imposing. And next thing you know, the fight's over due to injury. And, uh, the fight was over before it really started to happen. And uh, the stuff like that happens, you know, people get caught. Uh, that was UFC debut and octagon jitters, despite having all that experience, uh, could have played a factor there. Um, and here in this matchup, you have Jeremiah Wells facing Mike Mathita, who is known as Blood Diamond. And I'm just extremely confused as to, like, I think that Jeremiah Wells should be even a bigger favorite than he is, uh, especially on DraftKings at 9,100. You're talking about a guy who has had legitimate success regionally and comes from a very, very strong gym, has skills in every department, which can be a kryptonite for his opponent if it decides to go you know, they decide to go to the mat. Um, and he's fought like really talented fighters from Gary Belletto to John Manley to Vinicius to Jesus, um, Warley Alves. He packs power so he can easily knock out Blood Diamond. Um, but if things get ugly and things get tricky because he's fighting a tricky kickboxer, he can just chain some takedowns together, get in top position, rain down some amazing ground and pound, or work towards a submission finish because his jujitsu skills are just on a good level as well, coming from a very underrated camp. I absolutely love Jeremiah Wells. I'm not targeting the newcomer. Blood Diamond could shock us if he catches him with like a flying knee or something that is completely unorthodox, but I think that's like a 5% chance of happening. So give me Jeremiah Wells, 9,100. Of course, uh, before we get into Sam's Super Chat, let's give our straight-up fight picks, not DFS-related. Uh, in the main event, I will go with the champion, Adesanya. Yeah, give me Izzy. Uh, Co-main event, uh, I will go Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis. Uh, I'll g- Give me my first underdog in Derek Brunson. Yeah, Brunson. Uh, then I will go Phillips over Roja. Phillips. I will go Bobby Green against Hopperos. Bobby Green. Uh, we are uh, we are very alike here. Uh, Casey O'Neill definitely taking her to that spot. Casey O'Neill, big time. Uh, I will go Perez over Snow. Perez. Uh, I will go Grisham over Knight. Uh, yeah, Grisham. Uh, Lawrence because of the takedowns. Yep, Lawrence. Uh, give me uh, Hinato Mancano. Like him at one fifty five now. Moicano. Oh boy. Uh, Olberg. <laughs> Olberg. Uh, I, I'm guessing we're going to differ on this one. I'm going to go AJ Dobson. Okay, I'm going Malcoon. I think he gets the knockout. Uh, I'll go. Uh, I know you mentioned about you liking uh, Silver Day Andrage, but uh, give me Sergey in the favorite here. Okay, give me Andrage. And then uh, Jeremiah Wells. Give me Jeremiah Wells. And then we skipped over one Arlovsky or Vandera. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go Arlovsky. Yeah, Arlovsky for me as well. Uh, Sam's over under number this week. Sam's sipping something today. I think I'm saying last man. How do you go over 10 and a half? We got 15 fights, bro. Sam, your number's way too high, bro. Your number's <laughs> way too high. I would agree. It is definitely way too high. I mean, <laughs> it's, I think it's going to be an action packed card. And anytime pay per views, you know, like you, you could have some banger fights that are definitely sleepers. But uh, I'm just going to say naturally, I'm going to say less. That's just too many. I would put the number more at like eight and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, top two cash. Uh, as I, I look at some kind of cash place here, Casey I would O'Neal. say I would look at O'Neill and Ronnie Lawrence. I mean, two high price options, but just because of uh, th- their ceiling for for fantasy points. Yeah, I'd much ra- I'd much rather just go Casey O'Neill. Um, 
after that's when it starts getting weird. I'm, I might say Alex Perez, just hope. I know it's a lot of salary, but hoping that everything's going to be the same. It's a soft matchup for him. In terms of uh, GPPs, uh, I mean, look, I think you, you if you think the, the co-main event's going to end the first round, I think that's one that you got to look at there. Other ones I would look at in terms of GPP, uh, Ronnie Lawrence uh, and Jeremiah Wells. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like both of those guys. I think that there's so many points. It's going to be points galore. It's just going to be very difficult to find the underdogs that we're getting to, and that's why, like, a, you know, Andrade is a guy that I think could really get us there. Yeah, look at underdogs. Uh, Derek Brunson would be a kind of the, the probably my top underdog play of the day. Um, in terms of uh, upset or fades, um, I mean, I don't, I won't say I would necessarily have really anyone I would fade. Um, if I was going to fade anything, it's that it's that matchup between Orlowski and Vandera. Yeah, I'm going to fade Roxanne Motorberry. I just she could do it, but I just I don't know. But as far as fights, I I would agree. I think that Orlowski Vandera fight might be a stinker. Uh, you know, look, I think in terms of optimal plays, hate to say it, first five of the night. Really? Yeah. Either Blood Diamond knocks him out or Jeremiah Wells chains takedowns and just racks up points. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I would agree with that. But that is going to do it for this edition of the also MMA strategy show. We'll be back on Saturday for live before lock 4 p.m. Eastern time to get you ready for UFC 271. Coming up next is the NHL strategy show. So keep locked here to awesome.com all day long for all the coverage that we have from NHL, NBA, also for Sunday's Super Bowl. So that's going to do it for this edition of the also MMA strategy show. Big thanks to our sponsor, Prize Picks, and we will talk to you on Saturday for live before lock. Have a good day, everybody.